So this is God's holy and infallible word. These continue to be the very words of, of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. So what we've, what we've got here as Jesus is closing things off at the end of this sermon is really a call to action. Jesus preached a sermon and he's like saying, what are you going to do with all this now? The Sermon on the Mount is considered pretty impressive even by a lot of non-Christians. There are some radical and profound ideas for our world there, but Jesus doesn't let us just bask in sort of deep thoughts about the meaning of his words. We can't be content after everything we've heard to, to kind of fold our arms and, and nod and say, wow, to live a life like this, to live a life like Jesus talks about, that's, that's something to really ponder. That, that's something to consider. Jesus wants a whole lot more than that. Jesus was sent by his Father to this earth to establish the kingdom of heaven. And what he brought was different than anything the world had ever known. The Sermon on the Mount gives the values of that kingdom as Jesus focuses on our relationship with God, with other people, and as he focuses us in on our own hearts and souls. The purpose of the message of Jesus is to call people into this kingdom. So we can't just admire it and say, wow, that's a good sermon. Wow, that's a good way to live. Jesus has talked about uh, two different treasures in this sermon. He's talked about two different masters. He's talked about two types of righteousness. And now it's time for a decision. Will it be the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Satan? The kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness? There's a saying, I'm sure you've heard it, don't just talk the talk, walk the talk. A lot of times, I thought about this, a lot of times you hear people say, walk, don't just talk the talk, walk the walk. That's okay, but I don't think that's quite right. We want to walk the talk. As a, a, a church member, fictional, just to be clear, who is known to be a bit difficult, kind of a loud mouth throughout the church. He was teaching a class of kids in Sunday school the importance of living the Christian life and trying to get them into discussion. He says, you know, why, why do people call me a Christian? After a little pause, one little girl said, well, maybe it's because they don't know you. You see, from a very, very young age, we get the importance of walk and talk lining up. Kids are especially attuned to it more than we may think. Not just 
talk, but a close walk with God is what Jesus wants for us. That's what this whole Christian faith is about. It's not just words, but action. We practice what we preach. Well, Jesus just preached a powerful sermon. He challenges us to practice it, to live it, to walk a certain road. And he calls us to that with this invitation. Enter through the narrow gate. These couple verses and other similar ones in Scripture, like like Psalm 1 that we sang from with that song, I Will Delight, these verses, others like it, bring a picture to mind. And there, there have been a lot of, of paintings of the, uh, the narrow gate, the wide gate, and the road beyond and the destination. So I just, just take a look at that, and I, I think you can see which one is which and kind of follow it through. You know, you can... You can just see it, right? A, a group of people are, are standing there on a dusty road. You're, you're watching, okay? You see this group of people. In order to go forward, they either have to go through the, this wide, spacious gate or through an, a narrow little gate. And you kind of you watch. You're kind of curious what these folks are going to do. The wide gate is very inviting. The road is paved there. There are welcome signs. There are balloons. And you can even see a little bit from your vantage point that that beyond the gate, it opens up to this really spacious street. There are fun-looking people giving encouragement for, for the other folks to come on that way. Most of the people you watch are head toward that wide gate. And and you see that it's wide enough that they can take all their traveling luggage along with them. Their sins, their pride, their selfishness, their bad habits, whatever. They don't need to leave anything behind. There's plenty of room for all their baggage. Once they get through that inviting wide gate, they hit a place called Easy Street. It's smooth, it's flat, there are no obstacles on this street, it's, it's wide open, plenty of room for all opinions, believe what you want, no boundaries at all. If you're into Buddhism, great. If you're an atheist, no problem. If partying and, and living it up is your thing, join the party, dude. If you want to discuss different philosophies and ideas on Easy Street, There's room for people that sort of sit back and discuss these things, but just don't dare say one philosophy is better than the other. If you want to talk about different lifestyle choices, the more lifestyle choices, the merrier. But just don't dare say certain lifestyles are better than others. It takes no effort to glide down the broad path of Easy Street. It's all okay. Tolerance is the name of the game. Freedom, independence, choice. These are the great values. Oh, and there are people on Easy Street. Lots of people. And it's a big, fun crowd. 
Those who entered in through the wide gate vaguely remember maybe their father saying something long ago like, hey, if all your friends jumped off a cliff, would you? But those words quickly become a distant memory as they dive right in and follow the crowd and begin some very harmful lifestyles and ways of thinking. When the crowd decides that sexual intimacy before and outside of marriage is kind of fun, they go right along with it. When the crowd decides that the money they earn is all for them and their comfort, forget about those in need. Forget about tithing to God's causes. They're all in with that idea too. When the crowd decides they don't need a God, they don't need God's commands, we'll figure out our own way, they think, yeah, that makes good sense. But then when you look far down the road, beyond the crowds, you see the same fun-loving, anything-goes-living-for-me people, now old and feeble, They're lying on their deathbed. The party is long over. Their eyes are filled with fear. What do they have to show for the years lived on Easy Street? They wonder if if maybe they missed something. They wonder if they're prepared to leave this life and to die. And as their eyes close and death takes them, you see A trap door opens underneath them. They're dropped into an abyss. They head to destruction, as Jesus says here, to weeping and gnashing of teeth in the lake of fire, which the Bible calls hell. But then you turn again to the group of people standing in the dust with the wide gate and the narrow gate before them, And you see some who walk toward the narrow gate. And you keep an eye on them this time. Your eyes follow them this time. And your first thought might be, what? The narrow gate? Who wants to be narrow? That's not cool. In our modern world, we want to be considered broad-minded, not narrow And yet Jesus, the teacher, says, enter through the narrow gate. And so you watch to see some who entered through the narrow gate. It's very different than the wide gate. There are no balloons. There are no welcome signs. There aren't all kinds of people encouraging you to go that way. The entrance is not smooth and shiny. The road beyond looks unpaved. It's so narrow that only one person at a time can fit through. In fact, they can't even fit all their luggage with them. Certain things, it looks like you just can't take it with you. The way of the world has to be left behind. Those that go through the narrow gate, they're making a break with the world, a break with the crowd. It's not a popular choice. This is tough for them, you can see, because it's easiest to go along with the crowd. We don't really want to be that unusual or different from the vast majority of people. There there are some exceptions. You know, they're sort of eccentric people in life and they want to be different. But we prefer to do what most people are doing. We conform. For, you know, for me to stand up here and admit all these years to be a Lakers fan here in Chicagoland, 
It's been tough. It's a very trite example. But the reality is we want to say and do the things that we need to do to fit in. You go to nearby schools like Timothy and Brian or York High School. Uh, most students just want to fit in. Clothes, choices, shoes that you buy. There's a lot of shoes out there, but it's actually quite limited to what a student will want to buy. It's limited pretty much by what the majority are buying. And I shouldn't pick on you students. I got to tell you, fitting in is very important to adults too, just as much as you guys. But when you watch the few going to the narrow gate, you can see that they are standing out. It takes courage because they're being different from the vast majority of the people. Some of those who are headed to the wide gate are even laughing and jeering at the ones going to the small gate. So they're leaving the world and the crowds behind, you can see. And more than that, you can see they're leaving the spirit of the world behind. That's a piece of baggage that just doesn't fit through that narrow gate. It's left at the entrance. It doesn't fit because the gate is so narrow. They, they need to leave their sins behind. Uh, for the one, you notice that he's wearing this backpack full of grudges and bitterness against people who have wronged him over the years. And that's become a comforting part of his life. He liked to nurse those grudges and, and feed them. But it had to be dropped. Each person that entered left baggage behind because nothing but yourself could fit through the narrow gate. In the end, the old self needed to be left at the gate for each person entering. The Bible talks about the old self, the old man of sin. There's no room for him anymore. And as we watch, we see that when people do step through, there's no easy street. There's nothing but an unpaved, narrow road. Some of the narrowness has to do with the fact that not all views are tolerated. Majority opinion or someone's day-to-day feelings, those things don't rule the day. Thoughts and actions are guided by a higher standard, and it's the Word of God, the Bible. And it turns out, as you watch these folks, that real freedom is found in that. You see, as the people go forward on the narrow way, they're thankful for God's word and God's commandments because they form a railing to hold on to as they walk the road, a railing that protects them, it keeps them on the path, it keeps them from falling over a cliff and hurting themselves. But the road is hard, too. There are challenges There's suffering for these folks. There's actually a whole lot more suffering for them than you'd think. You watch the people, you see the toughness of the road, and you grieve for them. But then you think, well, it's kind of a a poor person that that only wants the easy way in life and always avoids the difficult, right? Right? And and you remember as you watch the struggles of a poor traveler on that road, you remember hearing once someone say about the game of baseball. 
It's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't hard, everybody would do it. The hard is what makes it great. And that rings true for life in general to you. And you think, well, Jesus has just been teaching us about the most glorious and blessed life possible. And so it would make sense that it might be tough. The best life possible, it couldn't possibly be easy. And then you remember, as you're watching, someone else who said, everything worthwhile in life is uphill. Anybody can do the easy stuff. Anybody can follow the crowd. But if you want to do something special, if you want to reach the heights There aren't too many people willing to count the cost and do that. And sure enough, on that bumpy, narrow road, there are no throngs of people. It looks lonely sometimes. It's hard. It's always uphill. There are no vacations. There are no breaks. There's wrestling with principalities and powers. There are temptations. The people on this road have to constantly be on guard. They're they're fighting off Satan and his devils with the armor of God that he thankfully equipped them with for the journey. Though it seems like the folks on this journey, that it will never end, that there's no way they're going to have the energy to make it all the way. Yet, they make it to the end of the road, each one of them. And at the end of the road, it's at the top of a mountain, The travelers approach and see a different gate. It's called Heaven's Gate. And it puts that wide, attractive gate back at the beginning of the journey to shame. This gate is massive. It glimmers with gold. There's a tremendous, there's almost a tangible glow coming from behind it. There's something glorious on the other side for these travelers, you can tell. From your distance... As you're watching from a ways away, it's hard to see and hear exactly what's going on. But you can make out this. When, when a traveler reaches it, there's a, there's a gatekeeper of some kind that approaches the weary traveler. By this time, he's fallen on his knees from the rigors of the journey. He couldn't possibly go another step. It's hard to make out the words spoken, but one word is Crystal clear. The traveler has the name of Jesus on his lips. You hear him say it, Jesus. And then you see the gatekeeper take the man's hand, help him to his feet. You can just make out what he says. Well done, good and faithful servant. The gates open. There's a flash of light. It's so brilliant that even from your distance that you're watching from, you're, you're, you're kind of blinded. For a while. When, when you can see again, the gate is closed, and you know the traveler has entered eternal glory in heaven, just like our dear sister Marge Van Tholen did uh, just, just early yesterday. And then you can see that all the hard choices for Jesus, the challenges, the suffering, leaving the crowd, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. Friends, it comes down to this. You are that person standing there 
faced with the narrow gate and the wide gate. You're that person. I'm that person. And Jesus calls you to action. Bible's not something to read and sort of be interested about. Our faith that we profess is not just something to talk about. It's not enough to sit and listen to a sermon and sing worship songs and hymns. Jesus asks each one of us this morning, will you walk the talk? Will you walk the talk? Will you commit? It's an either-or sort of choice. You know, we, we love both and, and I think when we deal with people in the office and with our kids, I mean, you're looking for sort of win-win situations, want everyone to be happy, but this is an either-or choice. When I do play basketball, I get an email for playing, and, and they, it's just like they often just say, are you, anybody in? If I respond, I'm in then I'm in. If I say I'm out, I'm out. If I don't respond, if I do nothing, you know what? I'm not in. I'm out. There's only two options. I will either play or I won't when I'm faced with those emails. The same thing here. Jesus is saying, he wants you to think about this. Are you in? The options are in or out. There's no middle ground. There's no other choice. People don't like this. Opinion polls, they give you yes, no, and I don't know. Or yes, no, and no opinion. But not having an opinion is not an option with Jesus. He's making that crystal clear in these verses. He demands a decision. There are two crowds, the way of the world, the way of faith. There are two destinations, heaven or hell. There are two roads, a narrow road and a wide. And so we ask ourselves, Have I entered the narrow gate? I've heard that some Christians in years past would actually write out on on a paper their decision for the Lord, their covenant with God, their desire to give Him their life, put their signature on it, sign themselves and all that they had away, sign away their right to live as they chose, give themselves to God, Write it down, sign it before God. Choose life. That's what Moses said to the people long ago in Old Testament times. The next generation, Joshua said, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Peter said, after the Holy Spirit came, repent and be baptized, every one of you. And Jesus said to his disciples long ago, he says it to us, follow me. And he says, I am the door. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Us making the right choice, of course, doesn't save us. The Bible says nothing we can do can save us. Only what God has done in Jesus. Only by grace are we saved. And that remains true even while Jesus invites us to make a decision. In fact, our accepting Jesus is a sign that we really are God's child, that he has chosen us. We're proclaiming who we are when we enter the narrow gate. And you know what? Only you can respond to the invitation. Only you. We've got this uh, pulled pork lunch in a while. I was promised by the guys they wouldn't lift off any lids and so forth till 
the sermon and the service were over because it's going to smell wonderful. You've all been invited. If, if you're a child, if, you, if, you're, if you know, your mom or dad signed you up, and you're going. If you're a, a wife, maybe your husband signed you up, and through him, you're going to enjoy this lunch. But that's not how Jesus' invitation works. Boys and girls, young people, your mom, your dad cannot respond to this invitation for you. You don't get in the gate through the faith of a godly grandparent. Your spouse being faithful to the Lord in her life doesn't get you in somehow. The gate is so narrow that it's one person at a time. Little babies, of course, can't make that choice. We believe they're in the covenant. That's why we baptize babies here. But as you grow up, you can respond to Jesus even from a very young age. And as parents, grandparents too, uh, and, and, and church workers, Sunday school teachers, GEMS, cadets, counselors, we look for that desire in covenant children's hearts and lives. We look for it, that, that turning to Jesus in age-appropriate ways. Maybe, maybe this morning you're, you're, a, you're six years old or you're five or, or seven or eight. What can you do with all this? Well, you're called to love Jesus Jesus invites you into his kingdom. And as you get a little bit older, maybe you're a teenager, well, then it's time to start thinking about professing your faith in church. Enter, says Jesus. Come follow me to each one of us, all ages. Now, for those of us who've entered the narrow gate by putting our trust in Jesus, we know if we've been walking this road a while that though the old man of sin is supposedly left at the gate. We know all too well that he rears his head still in our lives. He climbs on our back. He tries to pull us down, and, and we've got to pull him off again. We know that even on the narrow path, we fall into temptation. We maybe try to walk easy street for a while, follow the crowd in this or that area of our life. Well, then we thank the Lord that he is full of forgiveness for his children. It's full of forgiveness for you when you've messed up and tripped up on that road. For those of us who, by God's grace, have entered the narrow gate, I believe our call is to keep committing to walking this road. I believe it takes Support, it takes regular worship and, and prayer and, and being in God's word and good Christian friends. And you know, just to keep reminding ourselves, that's something we can do. We give ourselves pep talks in life. I think a lot of us do. You know, if you're heading into a tough interview, before a volleyball game, before a test, I can do this, before a Sunday service, okay, Greg, let's do this. We've got to do that in the Christian life, too. Every morning, remind yourself who and whose you are. You get up, you look in the mirror, looking a little rough, but you say, I'm a child of God. One of my brothers-in-law used to have 
a scripture verse taped to the wall of his bathroom by the mirror where he saw it at the beginning and ending of every day. And when we visited, I would see it and read it every time I was in that bathroom. And it was an encouragement. It was a reminder of who I am. And it was like, yeah. And so we tell ourselves, I'm not like anybody else. Jesus has died for me, and he's brought me into the kingdom of light. He's brought me out of the kingdom of darkness. I'm going to heaven. I'm investing in kingdom things no matter what anybody else is doing. I'm going to have a kingdom attitude no matter what's going on around me. I've got kingdom hope in the midst of everything going on in this lousy world. I will not let the temptations and trials of the world bring me down. I will follow Jesus on the narrow road. We can do that, of course, because Jesus knew very well the road that he's talking about here. He would follow it faithfully all the way to the cross in order to set us on the path of life. Because he went before us, with the help of his spirit, friends, we can enter the gate, we can walk the road he has for us, we can reach the glorious city that awaits. May you respond to Christ's invitation to enter, whatever your age, whatever your situation in life, whatever your past. May you respond. May God bless each and every one of you on your journey. May God bless us as we walk the road together here at Faith Church. What a joy to help one another on the way. What a joy to call others to follow Jesus too, isn't it?